0: Welcome everybody that's joined us tonight, wherever you're at. Those of you that would get this podcast or watching us on our YouTube channel, we welcome you. We're going to get into Hosea and some stuff tonight and try to see his perspective and what a job he had to share this to people who didn't want to hear it. So we can identify that with that, I think, to some degree. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you most of all for sending your son to die in our place Uh, where would we be, Lord? We realize that we wouldn't be anywhere without you, and we just pray that your grace and mercy will continue to be extended to your people, and not only to us, Lord, but to the world, that they would open their eyes and see your love for them. We pray, Lord, that your word would sink down into our hearts, that we would have ears to hear, that it would sink down into our ears, like Jesus said. We know you're able to do far above what we can think or ask. And everybody said... Amen. Let's look at Hosea. Let me get some different glasses. actually. Hosea chapter 9. It's interesting some of the language God uses here and he really kicks the door down right off the bat. I want you to remember that as we Go through here, think about what God's probably thinking about America, uh, as good as God has been to us and how we've kind of strayed. Not kind of strayed, we have strayed in so many ways. And uh, just think about His persuading, you know. When you see people do stupid stuff, they probably didn't do that overnight. (laughs) The Holy Spirit's probably been trying to talk to them and convince them and, you know, work with them. uh, That's why there won't be any pleas of insanity when anybody stands before the Lord because the Lord's going to say, I know you. I was the one talking to you for 20 years and you kept putting me off. So there's not going to be any pleas uh, for insanity on Judgment Day. So in chapter nine he says, do not, re- "Do not rejoice, O Israel, with joy like other peoples." I mean, that's shut the party down, didn't it? <laughs> For you have played the harlot. So God knows what a harlot is, right? Nothing that's going on in the world's hidden from God. It's shameful. I mean, Paul, in one of his writings said, you know, there's things going on we can't even talk about. I think it's Jeremiah when the Lord said, you guys done things that I've not even thought about. That's a pretty big statement coming from God, isn't it? And he says, For you have played the harlot against your God. You have made love for hire on every threshing floor. Now, so God compares harlotry... Uh, like Israel does him with seeking other forms of refuge or help or whatever instead of trusting in him they're looking to other things and of course there was plenty of sexual immorality in Israel as well but there's a twofold meaning here god's really stressing to them that they're being a harlot on him they're going to foreign gods and acting like these foreign gods are sustaining them and and acting like that, that's their help and their hope and their sacrifice. They wind up sacrificing their cheer, children to false gods and all this kind of crazy stuff. So God's comparing harlotry, uh, sexual immorality, he's comparing that to, uh, to their relationship and how he's being treated. And, and like I said, there's plenty of sexual immorality going on in Israel as well. Uh, but there's a, a spiritual meaning. He said, you've you've made love for hire on every threshing floor. The threshing floor and the wine press shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail in her. So he's, he's setting them up. They've gone too far. They're getting ready to be judged. And then uh, the southern kingdom, as I said before, is going to be judged a couple hundred years later. They kind of were lagging behind with this. And that's what you've seen with America. You know, we came out of... Um, Christian heritage, even across the pond, Uh, but over time they shifted. uh, You know, uh, Europe has gotten a lot crazier before we did, but we're 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 lagged a little bit behind. But now that's kind of what's happening here with the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, and the new wine shall fail in her. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt. In other words, they're going to go right back into bondage. That's If time lasts, if the rapture don't happen this week <laughs> or next year, or whenever God's plan is for that, if the rapture don't happen sooner than later, uh, that's what will happen to America. Do you know our people left bondage? They left being tied down, le- losing their religious, what we would call religious liberties. Come to a new land. So they could, in part, worship God freely. And so that's what Israel, right? That was their whole ploy when they came out of Egypt. Moses kept saying to Pharaoh, we need to leave here and worship the Lord. We need to get out of all this paganism, go out there and worship our God, the only true and living God. And then God shows them who's boss before he leaves in such a way that the Bible says many of the Egyptians believed. They believed that God was Jehovah, that Jehovah was God. And they gave the Israelites money, silver, gold, and everything on the way out. They blessed them on the way out. So many of the Egyptians did believe. Just the people in charge didn't believe. What's that sound like? Sounds like this country. When's the last time you've heard? Well, it's very rare for us to hear a leader, a political leader, talk about God at all. Very, very rare. Uh, Occasionally that happens. And then he says, uh, they shall not offer wine offerings to the Lord. Uh, Let me back up. He says, they shall not dwell in the Lord's land. Ephraim shall return to Egypt. They shall eat unclean things in Assyria. They shall not offer wine offerings to the Lord, nor shall their sacrifices be pleasing to him. They're going to be moved out. They're going to go back into bondage. They're going to be in trouble. They're serving false gods. Basically, he's saying nothing's going to work out. Now imagine if you're the preacher, you're coming on the scene, or the prophet. If you're the prophet, you come on the scene, and you have nothing good to say. Nothing. Nothing where anybody says, you know what? We like you. <laughs> you remember, uh, was it Ahab said uh, all the prophets were telling him what he wanted to hear? All of them. We're talking probably hundreds of them. We're all saying the same thing. Yeah, that's right. That, this is why the majority is normally not going the right way if you if spiritually speaking because the bible's always got talking about a remnant and about few so the majority is not going the right way spiritually that's never been the case spiritually so they're all telling him the same thing he says well go get uh Micaiah out of jail he put him he puts him in jail because <laughs> he don't like what he says but here's the kind of respect Micah and you need to have this and i need to have this you may not always tell people what they want to hear, but at least when they walk away from you, they know they've heard the truth. And that needs to be our standard so that when people do, and I've had that happen to me over the years. I've been doing this for a long time now. And I've had people that did not like me for something i taught or said or maybe had to say to them. But over the years, they've come back because they knew I told them the truth. And that's why Micaiah, he's in jail because they don't like him, kind of like That's what happened to John the Baptist, right? He told Herod, he said, you can't be doing that. Next thing you know, sticks him in jail. And so Micaiah comes up, and Micaiah, I love the Bible because it's like how we would be. You know, Micaiah comes up and just kind of jokes with him, a little sarcastic. He said, yeah, go on up, you'll be fine. (laughs) And Ahab knew, even his own spirit was telling him it wasn't right, right? He said, tell me the truth. And so he said, if you go up, you're going to die. I put that short, that was shorthand version. And so he, he, you know, so here's us now. Ahab thinks he's going to outsmart God. God gave him a word, said if you go to battle, you'll die. So Ahab says, Jehoshaphat, you dress like the king. I'm just going to dress like a regular dude in the army. And you know what the Bible says? A stray arrow found a kink in his armor. And killed him. You know why? You can't hide from God. God done told him not go. Right? And he went anyway. So imagine being in a situation like Hosea. We're all there. Hold your spot. Let me show you something with you. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 3. And hear, hear what the Lord says to us. Ezekiel chapter 3. Now Ezekiel was the end of the road right Isaiah and Jeremiah pleaded with the people of God to return Israel to return and they kept saying if you if you'll come back the Lord will stop all of his judgment but in Ezekiel chapter 3 let's look at verse 16 Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 16 this is very strong language to us all of us who live for God and name the name of righteousness he says now it came to pass, verse 16 of chapter 3 of Ezekiel, Now it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So all of us have some level of watchmanship. That's made up a new word. Watchmanship. And obviously, my watchmanship, I'm going to be more accountable because the mantle God gave me, for, because I, the level of watchmanship I have. But he says, I have made you a watchman. I'm a watchman. I was a watchman in my home, for my family, and all that. We all have levels of what God puts you in your spots to be a watchman. At work, whatever, because there are going to be people in there that need to hear the truth. And he says, I made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. What have you been putting off? Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. And again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness, so that's possible. When a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity or sin, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sin. And his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. That's exactly what happened to Jim Jones. Do you know, the first 15 years of his ministry, the Holy Spirit fell in his church like no other church in Indianapolis. Preachers would tell you they were jealous of him. But nobody remembers that. This verse. All they remember is the Kool-Aid. He died in his sin. He said... And again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block for him, he shall die. Because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sin. And his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require to your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live. Because he took on. How many knows God don't like sinning? He don't like the wicked sinning. He don't like the righteous sinning. He don't like any sinning. He don't like sin. Say that with me. God does not like sin. So imagine being in a position like Hosea, or Ezekiel, or even Jeremiah, who was thrown in the well. All these guys, Isaiah, uh, church history, or excuse me, Jewish history says that Isaiah was put in a hollow log and sawn in two by Manasseh, the king who ruled Israel longer than any other king that we can find. And that's why when you get in Hebrews 11, it says those who were sawn asunder. That's how they killed some of them. And the, the Jewish history believes that, that Isaiah was sawn in two by Manasseh. And what's interesting about all that, we know where Isaiah's at. He went straight to heaven. Or went to Abraham's bosom then, now he's in heaven. Because Jesus led captivity captive, brought him on in. But they couldn't go into the presence of God until the blood had been shed. So they were in Abraham's bosom, what we call paradise, until Jesus went in the depths of the earth, led captivity captive. He brought those people. They were in in a wonderful place, but they just weren't in the presence of God until the sacrifice had been made. But Isaiah was sawn asunder for doing God's will. Jeremiah was thrown in a well. Ezekiel had all kinds of fits. He had to do some wild stuff. Imagine being in that spot where you have to tell people who don't want to hear it the truth. You are. That's what I'm telling you. We're all in that spot now. Every one of us. Maybe somebody at work. Maybe somebody you'll see at the family reunion next year or this fall. Maybe somebody at the job. We're all in that spot. Every one of us. To where we're going to have to speak truth to people. We can't make anybody do it. In fact, we're giving instruction, right? You know, telling the truth. If they don't receive it, shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next place. But you can't be silent. I think we've so marginalized the whole text of the Scripture that all some people want to see is one thing in the Scripture. Let me tell you something. When we stand before God, and I'm talking to myself letting you listen, we're all going to have to give an account of ourselves. There's more to just crossing over and getting in. We're going to have to stand before God and explain ourselves, so to speak. Why do you think he's going to have to wipe away tears? Because there's going to be some weeping and sorrow. Things we left undone. Wouldn't you hate to see a reel of your life at certain points in it? Thank God all the sins washed away what about an errand, God's ask of you? What about opening your mouth to a stranger? How do strangers become friends? By us showing ourselves friendly. You don't have friend, if you don't have friends, it's not because everybody else ain't getting the job done. It's because of you. The Bible says if you want friends, you need to show yourself friendly. That's on me. If I want friends, I need to pursue them. And if you want to witness and love people, there's people all around us all the time. I'm constantly looking for an opportunity at a car lot and Walmart because I'm convinced, and this is how I live my life, I'm convinced the hourglass is about out. So we're all like Ezekiel. We know people that are playing church. There are people who play church their whole lives. Preachers. There are preachers that ain't saved. There are people in the choir been singing for 30 years. I've heard testimonies somebody gets saved, been in the choir for 30 years. Finally, conviction overtook them. So God said to Ezekiel, He said, I, You're a watchman. And we're all a watchman to some degree. Whatever God's put in our way. But Hosea is a watchman. He's trying to hand this same stuff off. He says, they shall not offer wine and offerings. I'm back in Hosea. They shall not, they shall not come to the house of the Lord. In verse 5, he says, What will you do in the appointed day and in the day of the feast of the Lord? For indeed, verse 6 says, For indeed they are gone because of destruction. Egypt shall gather them up. Memphis shall bury them. Nettles shall possess their valuables of silver. Thorns shall be in their tents. In other words, you're, there's not going to be anything left that you adore. And you're going to lose your life as well. And it's going to cost the next generation. That's why he's getting ready to tell us. You know why God hates murder and abortion and suicide so much? Because not only does it destroy a life, but it destroys the offspring coming up. Think about that. When Cain slew Abel, he slew every offspring he'd ever have. God hates it in any form. And he said, he says, the days of punishment have come. This would be hard, right? I mean, if you're Hosea, I feel like I'm preaching to America, and you all are not, we're part of America, but I feel like I'm preaching to America just a little bit before this. I feel like my timing with sharing this it's just a little bit before where Jose is at. I think we're almost there. We're, we're almost there. I think God's still warning our country to turn to some degree. I don't think it's going to keep us from suffering some of his discipline and punishment. But I think it will benefit us, the ones who will really turn, people who've, What's this whole season about? Teshuvah, returning to the Lord. For indeed they are gone because of destruction. Egypt shall gather them up, men shall bear them, they're going to lose. The days of punishment have come, the days of recompense have come. In other words, God said, I'm coming home to collect because you've walked out on me. Israel knows the prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is insane. Look at a group, look at them like America. We're on the cusp of being in this spot. I don't think we're fully there, but we're on the cusp of it here in this country. What God said to Israel through Hosea. That's most everybody. This includes the political leaders of Israel, this includes the temple leaders, the prophets, all of them. Just a the very few that were hanging on to God. All of them had went astray. The religious system, the political system, the day-to-day lives, the families. All of them had went astray. And you just had a remnant of people hanging on to what God said. Hanging on to the belief that He was who He said He was and that He would do what He said He would do. Just a remnant. And that's who we're a part of now. I've shared this before, but they say, I think they said by 2050, even those who identify as Christians in America will be not the majority any longer. I don't expect we'll be here that long, but there's a day coming before that where there won't be one Christian (laughs) left. But right now, the last poll I heard several months ago was 13% of Americans... Are committed Christians, not just by name only, so that means thirteen thousand out of every a hundred thousand people. That means eighty seven thousand out of that hundred thousand are not so he's having to, he's having to really be strong. he says the spiritual man's insane. The prophet is a fool. Can you imagine saying that? Because of the greatness of your iniquity. He didn't blame it on anything else. He blamed it on their iniquity, their sin. And great enmity. The watchman. Now remember we just read about the watchman's job, right? The watchman of Ephraim is with my God. But the prophet is a fowler's snare In all his ways. So the watchman's holding strong, but the prophet is off his rocker. Be careful with a man who calls himself a prophet, they are deeply corrupted. But the prophets of the fowler snare in the way, enmity in the house of his God. They are deeply corrupted as in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first fruits on the fig tree in its first season. But they went to Peor, false gods, and separated themselves to that shame. They became an abomination like the thing they loved. Why were Gentiles viewed as dogs? They were called Gentile dogs because some of the sexual immorality and the other immorality they got into was worse than dogs or just the same. It's it's amazing to me what we let people or commend in this world, in this country, in the name of freedom. That's not freedom at all. That's liberty they're using. They're in bondage. When you become like the false god and do those despicable things that they preach and teach from Molech to Baal and on and on and on, you are in bondage. But you don't recognize it because you're blind. Sin blinds us. We don't hear enough teaching on that in our culture. Sin makes us blind. Let me say something else. If you're living in sin, your mind don't work right. We have a hard enough time with our minds trying to pursue righteousness, right? But if you're committed to sin and not to God, your mind does not operate right. Look how smart you think you are. Because any anything that allows or permits or goes along with sin is going to do damage to any and all of us, every facet of our lives. Our bodies, Paul talks about some sin is a sin against our own bodies. It will destroy our bodies and primarily he was talking about their sexual immorality do you want to know the statistics are staggering in this world of how many people die from sexually transmitted diseases it's staggering if our government would be real with people it would strike fear in their hearts we do that all in the name of freedom which is a misnomer it's liberty Freedom is an internal condition. Liberty is an external condition. They may take away Paul's liberty, but they never took his freedom even when he was in prison. And that's the same for all of us. They're doing all these things in liberty. Well, that's why Paul talks about it. says they profess to be liberated while they're in bondage to things. That's our culture. That's what happened to Israel. As for Ephraim, they glory, their glory shall fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. They're going to be barren. Though they bring up children. This is God talking now through His man. Though they bring up their children, yet I will bereave them to the last man. The word bereave means to be in want. Their offspring is going to constantly be in want. Now you got to be. Physically blind not to see that that's a problem in this country. There are the last few generations of children, they are constantly wanting something. They're never satisfied. And here's what happens. He says, they bring up children, I will bereave them. I will put them, they'll live in a state of wantonness. Right? He says, just as I, he says... Yes, woe to them when I depart from them. And you've heard me say this probably if you've known me for any amount of years. The worst thing for America is not that this or that or other country. The worst thing that could happen for America is for God to pull His hands back and say, Have at it! Do your thing. I'm out. In fact, I was contemplating writing a book after I get this other one done about... Who asked God to leave Chicago? And I just use Chicago because I'm familiar with Chicago. I've spent a lot of time there. But who asked, it's like we've asked God to leave our culture. Who asked God to leave? There's an old song. I'm going to tell my age. The last line of that old cultural song was. The three people I admire most, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, caught the last train for the coast. That's not a spiritual song at all. But I thought about that, and I thought about, we've just asked God, we don't want Him in our stuff. We want to do our own thing. Get on the train, God, and get out of town. We don't need y'all anymore. That's what the one guy said, who I had a little, uh, watched some of their meetings. There's some meetings going on in this world that you and I would never be privy to. You understand that? Two of the last meetings, I watched a little roundtable discussions with people who are not believers. One of them was bankers, world bankers. Not local bankers, but world bankers. And they said, our next desire is to put chips in our customers so they can do their banking and not have anything, no, tra- no paper, no credit cards, no nothing. I heard that in my own ears. The other thing I heard was a guy who said, we would like to chip humans so we can hack them. So if somebody's acting up, we can... Reprogram And he had the audacity to say That we can make a better person than God That's where we're at If you've been waiting on the end of time You need to quit waiting Because we're here We are that terminal generation And we got the message And it's not going to be popular But we got to keep saying it We got to keep telling people That there's an end to this thing There's only two places you can wind up you're either going to wind up in heaven or you're going to wind up in hell. And it's not God's will that any would perish. He's clear about that. But he ain't going to pass up judgment if people refuse him. And that's what's happening to Israel here. And he says, he says they're all in trouble. Then he says, "I, I just as I saw Ephraim like Tyre planted in a pleasant place, so Ephraim shall, will bring out his children to the murderer. Now, what's happening to this country here with Hosea? They're getting run over. All their stuff's being taken by their enemies and their foreigners. Their children are coming down. They're they're going astray. And and God has caused their children to be in a state of being without and always in a state of wantonness. And he says, Ephraim will bring out his children to the murderer. Give them, O Lord. What will you give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breast. John Chrysostom, who preached in the late 1400s, preached one of the greatest messages I've ever read. I wish it were on YouTube. He could have been speaking to America today because he identified the problem, one of the problems in their culture, when he preached, and they preached on the theater. And he challenged the men in the church. He said, you men go to the theater and watch a woman on the platform do whatever. And here's, listen to what he said. He said, and then you go home with a thousand wounds that interferes with your marriage and raising your children and loving God. Think of the avenues for that now. Think how the devil has presented that. How many homes get ruined by the sin, the greed, the lust that the world promotes. John Chrysostom was about 600 years ahead of his time. He was preaching about Madonna before she was ever born. And we call it entertainment. You know what God calls it? An abomination. When you got an insane person hanging on a cross, acting like a virgin, and everybody in the world knows they're not, and they flaunt it, that's an abomination. And she had the audacity to sing and make mockery of our Savior's cross. And John Chrysostom picked up on it 600 years before she ever came on the scene. Because it's the same thing, right? Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Same old thing. The devil just repackages stuff, right? Sends it back out. Now, he may have new avenues, more avenues maybe, to funnel that stuff in. To try and get people distracted and destroy their lives, but it's the same devil, same thing. You know, Ahab, I read some uh, Jewish writings where they said the reason Ahab was mad about Naboth having that vineyard be- beside him that he wanted that Jezebel lie- had Naboth lied on, took him outside and had him stoned, and the prophet come by and said, you're going to die, they're going to throw you off this wall, and the dog's going to eat you, and that happened too. But Ahab was on his bed crying and whining because he wanted something that didn't belong to him. Same spirit, right? That's same spirit today. What makes people go in some of these stores and loot them and steal? They want stuff that don't belong to them. And you can convince yourself in your mind that you deserve stuff. Any of us can do that if we let the flesh work on us. But let me tell you what we deserve. We deserve our next broke. That's what sin deserved. We all deserve to die. And Jesus stepped in and said, hey, I'm going to dig around this tree, fertilize it, and see if it will bear some fruit. That, that's our salvation. But if you want to know the truth about this thing, when we were born, we were like the law of the ass in the Old Testament. They broke that donkey's neck first thing. That, that is such a picture of who we are outside of Christ. We're all born into sin. And I make a joke sometimes say, isn't that a pretty little sinner you just had? But we're all born into sin. And our salvation is not in of ourselves. It's through Jesus Christ. And the minute we turn our eyes, just like that guy in Ezekiel, even the righteous man, he turned from his righteousness and did stupidity, just like Jim Jones. Jim Jones ain't remembered for nothing but Kool-Aid and shooting people when he should have been remembered for the gospel. How dare him do that and stand before God someday? That's all he'll be remembered for. And God blessed him, used him, saved him. And he turned his back on him that way. And that's what Israel's doing. The whole nation's doing it primarily. Just a few folks. So I'm pleading with this country, if anybody out there is listening to me. It has to happen individually. You need to turn to God realize He is the way, the truth, and the life through His Son. You don't have to live like this. We've seen it. This body, this ministry of Basilica, we've seen it and how the world has been struggling for tonight. And we've been so blessed. But it's a commitment to loving God and doing His Word. You don't get to do your own thing. I don't get to do my own thing. I don't get to play by my own rules. We play by God's Word. We live by His word, and Israel forgot that. It said all their wickedness is in Gilgal, and I've, for I, there I hated them, because of the evil of their deeds I will drive them from my house. I will love them no more. All their princes are rebellious. That's the political realm. Ephraim is stricken; their root is dried up. They shall bear no fruit. Yes, where they, yes, were they to bear children, in case. They actually do bear children. I'm making them barren. But if somebody does bear children, I would kill the darlings of their womb. I want to ask you a question. If you sent one of your children to die so that everybody could live, and they rejected it and mocked it and killed them, How would you feel? What's more, God allowed all that to happen and now He's still loving everybody, even the ones that did it. Jesus was on the cross saying, Lord, forgive them for they don't really realize what they're doing, right? I mean, but we have to turn. We have to embrace Him. We don't just get to live our lives like we want to live them. We come under His authority. Israel lost that. Says, my God will cast them away because they did not what obey. obey Him. You know what the best thing you can do as a Christian is obey the Lord. You know, even what I am called to do and the man I, still the best thing I can do is obey God. In fact, Paul said, if I get in this pulpit and don't live by what I teach, I'm a castaway. If I ask you all to tithe and I don't tithe, I'm a thief and a liar and everything else. It don't work that way. I'm first partakers. I'm, I can't ask you all to do something that I don't do. We've got to live by this book. We're in this together. We're our greatest asset. The greatest thing we can bring God is obedience. Samuel said, Does God have such great delight in sacrifice and burnt offering as he does obedience? The answer that's no. He don't. Obedience is the first thing on God's list. They shall be wanderers among the nations, and that happened. Right? Go back to Hosea six and one and two. Am I running out of time here? Hosea chapter six, one and two. He got ready to he gave them a little prophetic word when they when they do see there of their ways. Remember, we went through this is prophetic about the end of time, but it, it's a, a a real word. I mean, they, this happened to them, and he's re- referenced it again here in chapter 9. He says, Come and let us return to the Lord, for He has torn, but He will heal us. He has stricken, but He will bind us up. After two days, He will revive us, and we will, on the third day, He will raise us up. And then we, that we may live in His sight. So that's the millennial kingdom for these guys. They're going to they're gonna be scattered for two days or 2,000 years. A thousand years is like a day. A day's like a thousand years. Uh, Moses wrote that in Psalms, and then Peter used it again. He requoted it in, in his third chapter of his second epistle, which is all about the end of time. So these are prophetic statements. So Israel was scattered for two years or two, two days or 2,000 years. They've come back home. They're getting ready to. All this stuff. We, the stage is getting set. That's why you've got to understand what day you're living in. But he told them they were going to be scattered. They have been scattered, and they've been treated horribly by Hitler and other situations that they went into. He said, they are going to be wanderers among the nations. Now God's been calling them home. That's why we're getting ready for the end of time. God's been gathering up. They've been wanderers for a lot of time. Now these people are... Uh, let's go to Psalm 23. These people are <clears throat> in trouble that Hosea is talking to. They're in trouble because they're not obeying God and they're doing their own thing. Sounds like this country, right? In a lot of ways. So in Psalm 23, we're all familiar with this. I probably don't even have to turn there. But it says, The Lord is my shepherd. What's the next line? I shall not want. What do you tell these guys? They're going to be wanting. The Lord is my shepherd. I think one translation says, I shall not lack. Now, what's happening to this group Jose's talking to? They're going to be lacking. Now, let me say a word to you. If you're lacking in some area, you might want to spend some time with God. Doesn't mean you're bad. Doesn't mean anything just because God don't want his children lacking. Doesn't mean anybody's going to be, perf- be perfect, be rich or anything. I'm just saying If you've got a troubled area that can't seem to be fixed, you might want to talk to God about it. Keep coming up short in something. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. So here's what we got to guard against as believers. Letting God be Lord of most of our lives and not all of our lives. Reserving some stuff, right? He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not like. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That soulish man where all the battle's going on. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's God. That's the opposite of what's getting ready to happen to Israel here in Hosea. That's how God was leading them, but they decided they wanted to do it their way. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You'll prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Then the Hebrew says like this, Surely goodness and mercy will chase me down all the days of my life. And I feel that way. I feel like God just runs me down and says, Here's your ice cream, Robinson. The greatest compliment I ever received from somebody who knows me and knows me well, known me for a long time, is not what a good preacher I am or or this, that, and the other, or how good looking I am. That was way down the list. <laughs> the greatest compliment I've ever received from somebody who knows me well was this. We've watched you getting jams like everybody else, but God always comes through for you. And I testify to that. He does. And now that I'm 56, I realize there's no way I'd be here without the Lord. Not in any part of my life. Not any parts of it he i'm glad god ain't just the god of the good times i'm glad he's our god in the hard times and the bad times remember the mccain used to saying he's the god of the valley just like he is the god of the mountain i'm glad he's the god in the valley just like he is in the mountain he will come through for us he he will he's been around the corner Before we get there, he says, Surely goodness and mercy will chase me down all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One more thing before I close. In Hosea chapter 10, he says, Israel empties his vine. He brings forth fruit for himself according to the multitude of his fruit. He has increased the altars according to the bounty of his land. They have embellished his sacred pillars. Look at the next line. Their heart is divided. And we'll come back to this next week, but I'm going to stay right there on that line for a minute. Their heart is divided. That has been the biggest killer to the churchgoer that I've seen ever since I've been passing for 30-some years. People's hearts get divided and they get distracted. And no, now God has competition. Sometimes it's a activity. Sometimes it's blessings. They get focused on the blessings and forget the blesser. Sometimes, hear me, it's their own children. They get more wrapped up in their children than they do God. Jesus said, you can't love anybody more than me and be my disciple. We're not allowed to play God, and we're not allowed to love anybody more than him. And we're called to obey. Simple life. But these people's hearts were divided. Divided. And I've seen it. I've seen it work both ways. I watched two families years ago, both of them come into a lot of wealth in the church. Both of them, and I'm not picking on houseboats because if you got one, I'd like to come visit you. Both of them got houseboats. One of them we never saw again and the other one wound up having disciple times and everything on their houseboat. One month they'd take the men over. One month they'd have the women over. They used their blessing, knew where it came from and honored God with it. The other one And I could tell you the story of that was tragic how that all ends because their heart got divided. It could be anything. I'm not picking on houseboats. Like I said, uh, houseboats are cool with me. But that was just two clear examples I saw. So your heart gets divided, you're going to struggle. Because once our heart gets divided, once there's something that divides our heart no matter what it is it could be another human it could be a situation it could be material thing it could be whatever once your heart gets divided god has just found competition in our lives and that's battle amen father we thank you for your word i know you're keeping us ahead of the game with your word with amos and Hosea and the things you're sharing, Lord. We know you're keeping us in front. Lord, let us be a witness. Help us not get weary and doing well because there's a lot of th- <laughs> crazy stuff out there that it's 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 easy to get frustrated, Lord. And we just pray that you'll give us strength that we need beyond what we have. We we're going into more difficult times in this world and we need all the strength we can get from you, God. We need your wisdom, we need your strength, we need your mercy. We need your long-suffering. We need your forgiveness. We need all those things working in our lives, Lord, as we race toward the end of time. You set us here. Those of us that are here, those that are hearing my voice, you put us here in this season. That says something, Lord, to all of us. We're all watchmen. May we open our mouths in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm